You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. There are two things that philosophers have been debating for decades. What is the meaning of life? And at what holiday do you watch The Nightmare Before Christmas? Well, today on Systematic Ecology, we're going to talk about at least one of those, maybe both. We'll find out because today we are going to review The Nightmare Before Christmas because there's nothing quite like reviewing a movie that's almost as old as me. We are the priests of the geeks, which means that we are mediators between the Christian faith and pop culture. This conversation is not going to be a bait and switch, a trap. And you know why? It's because that is a one-way ticket to Santa's naughty list. But if you want to end up on Santa's nice list this year, then you should go over to, to patreon.com slash geekology and subscribe to one of our tiers. You will automatically end up on Santa's nice list. I guarantee it. I'm one of your hosts for today's conversation, Brandon Knight. I'm a bivocational Christian content creator. And the other night, my small group came over and I always like putting something on for them to watch as they come in to kind of give it that homey vibe. So I put on Santa Claus is coming to town, raking and bass, classic. Yeah, you can never go wrong with that in this uh, in this time of year. Um, I am Joe. I am a broadcaster, marketer, um, and, you know, it, it's it's funny that some of the people that I've I've been talking to and and that are working, you know, working with us on this on this show, even things like that are uh, not as old as this movie. And I suddenly feel <laughs> um, my my age, but I am ready and raring to talk about this yeah i'm excited for this one this was actually one of my picks this was a conversation i wanted to have uh so again we're going to be talking about the nightmare before christmas the assumption going into this episode is that if you are if you're listening to this you know the movie okay because when it comes to the nightmare before christmas at least in my experience it's one of two things. There are no casual fans when it comes to this movie. It's either hate it, can't stand it, don't get it, think it's creepy, or it is the people who love this movie so, so much that it becomes part of their identity, which Hot Topic has totally capitalized on or created themselves. I don't know. It's kind of like a chicken and the egg type of situation there. But just on the off chance that you are listening to this and maybe it's been a while since you've seen the movie, Joe, can you give us like the 30 second version? What is plot line wise? What is the Nightmare Before Christmas? So Nightmare Before Christmas is centers around Jack Skellington and he's he's in a rut. He's sick and tired of of um, the same old in Halloween Town which is exactly how it sounds, an entire town uh, centered around uh, Halloween. And he um, goes outside of city limits and uh, stumbles upon this little thing called Christmas. And what we see is the ridiculous antics to follow of Jack Skellington trying to take this idea of Christmas and translate it into 
an area that has had never heard of any of this. All they know is Halloween. All right. I just did a quick Google check. And actually, the movie is one year older than me. This movie came out in 93 and I was born in 94. So sorry, Joe. <laughs> Yikes. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a great summary of the film. This is technically called Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Burton actually had very little to do with the film. I believe he's one of the executive producers and he wrote a poem that inspired the eventual story, the full story in the film. But at the time, in the 90s, especially by 93, Burton is a hot commodity. By that point, you already have Batman 89 with Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton. Uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure has already come out. I believe Beetlejuice is also on the table by this point as well. Burton is a hot commodity, so this was a marketing strategy. Let's slap his name right there on the title. Joe, we're both 90s kids. I grew up on the latter half of the 90s. You experienced the whole thing for yourself. What was your experience with this film? Do you remember what was the first time you came across The Nightmare Before Christmas? Was this a normal part of your uh, holiday viewing? Um, I remember when this first came out, um, I was five right okay you said it came out in 94 93 93 so i was four yep. when it came out okay and this was used as a um this was used as like a reward for me to uh finally learn how to read um really which i know is super <laughs> random but yeah that's something that um and I, I it was so I was so into it because I had already like I was I was a I was a four year old boy. It was skeletons, it was cartoons, it was <laughs> and and we're talking about a time that was just anybody anybody that knows you know Saturday morning kids culture from the nineties just so totally steeped in this kind of thing that mm. like it was it was right up my alley. Nice. Nice. I don't remember when I came across this movie for the first time. To me, it's weird. It's like through either I saw it at a very young age or it's just one of those things that through osmosis, I have always known about The Nightmare Before Christmas. I've always known the plot, known the characters. But the first time I actually remember watching it all the way through, it was like high school. We're talking like 2011 is the first time that I remember actually watching the movie. But I've always like I've always known the songs. I've always known the characters. So it's always been there. Now, of course, with this movie, there is a long standing geek debate. I alluded to this back at the beginning uh, in the intro. The movie takes place in Halloween Town. So there's all these, as Joe was talking about, creepy skeletons, Oogie Boogie is like the boogeyman is one of the main characters. There's the trick or treaters. It's like these really bratty kids who are just like obnoxious throughout part of the movie. But also Christmas is a very important piece in this story as well. You know, one of the most iconic songs in the movie is the what's this as Jack is exploring Christmas town and seeing all of this Christmas stuff. And ultimately, 
the kidnapping of Sandy Claus and Jack trying to be Santa on Christmas Day. So the long-standing debate has always been, is it a Christmas movie? Is it a Halloween film? So we're going to put our chips down on the table because we're a geek podcast and every geek podcast has probably had this conversation at some point. Joe, Christmas or Halloween? Which is it? Oh, absolutely. It's a Christmas movie. This is the type of movie that like, you know, yes, there is a big hook towards um, Halloween as far as this goes. But like the majority of this movie centers around the idea of Christmas to the extent that it it has to be a Christmas film. Has to be a Christmas film. So listeners at home are fearless leader captain joshua knoll of the starship geekology was also supposed to be on this episode uh scheduling conflict wasn't able to make it but i did text him and i wanted to know christmas or halloween from him as well and the brat chose thanksgiving he said go in the middle because it would have taken place over the month of november into december Go for Thanksgiving because it's the best holiday anyway. So thank you for that answer, Josh. Um, (laughs) But as for me, this movie, I'm glad we're having this conversation. I'm on the Halloween side with this movie. I think the I think the creepy, spooky elements are a little bit. I think there are more there. They're more present in the film than the Christmas part. The thing about it, though, for me is. um, This movie centers around two of the biggest holidays, and I know there's that one Christmas song that talks about how Christmas is the holiday season. But when you get right down to it, October 31st, Halloween, Reformation Day to January 6th, Epiphany is the holiday season. There is just one holiday after the other during that time period. Day of the Dead, Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus for all you Seinfeld fans. Like there's there's so many holidays jam packed in this two and a half month span, whatever that exactly is, that I watched this movie in October to prep for this season. Once I get this movie in, I'm like in holiday mode. Does that all make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And and that's that's the beautiful thing of making something like this. And I think it's it speaks to um, Tim Burton's ability to be able to tell a story that he created something that was so compelling that and uh, involved so many different story beats that you can have these differing viewpoints on it. You know what I mean? And it was all born out of a time where he was looking to, you know, break the mold and, and break, you know, break this whole idea of um, cutesy animation and things like that. You know what I mean? And, and so to be able to create something that, transcends in the way that it does and offers something to different generations in the way that it does, I think Mm -hmm. really speaks to just what kind of filmmaker um, he was and to what talent he had. You know what I mean? I, I for one, you know, I I think that we can't get 
away from having this particular conversation without taking a step backwards from it and saying like, okay, you, you, you've created something that speaks to different people about different things at different times and things like that. And I, I for one, you know, I'm a huge, huge, um, fan of, uh, movies in general, but, but I, I really like the art behind a film. Okay. You know what I mean? If it can sure. elicit a response, if it can elicit a reaction, all of those kinds of things. And I think you've done your job. And I think with Tim mm -hmm. Burton, you know, I know that he catches some flack for, you know, all of his stuff kind of looking the same and feeling yep. the same and all of that. But show me one, show me any of the major people that you, you know, that, that you can point to even down to people like, you know, Richard Donner, you know, people, mm. uh, you know, even for for um, actors like uh, Al Pacino or mm -hmm. Mel Brooks or any of these titans of um, uh, of of cinema, show me anybody that doesn't have a flavor. You know what I mean? Okay. And, and sure. You know, you have this this thing that has been able to be plucked out of being a kid's thing into, you know, you had mentioned before about Hot Topic. They they created buzz for it for an entirely new generation. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? There's yeah. so much different content out there from the 90s that and th there are some things that have totally gotten swept away that have totally been lost to the annals mm -hmm. of time where this is something that has longevity it has staying power things like that yeah and along those lines what's also amazing about that longevity is i think in the early 2000s there was like a video game for the ps2 that continued the story a little bit but for the most part this is it and it has had longevity yeah. just based off of this one film made in 1993, a movie 28 years old now, has had this long-staying power that still to this day, people, you know, I see people all the time, year-round, wearing Jack Skeleton-related memorabilia. Like, it doesn't matter. This is... Yeah. He has transcended not just Halloween and, and Christmas, but to, like, all season long, really. Right. And, you know, to to give a nod to another one of the episodes that you and I did, um, some of the uh, cited influences on the way that Burton did this film were the Rankin-Bass stop motion uh, Christmas movies, mm. things like specifically Rudolph and uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas was another sure. one. That was a huge uh, influence on him. And for him, he he'd cited in a behind the scenes thing that he did that he did was that nightmare was supposed to be kind of like a reverse Grinch where it was okay. a character that found Christmas and loves it and try, decides to try and do it himself. Then mm -hmm. the character that hates Christmas. I see. I've never thought of it that way before. But yeah, I could de definitely see that now. Just like the reverse way of he lived in the world that the Grinch should have lived in and then came across Christmas and then he found what he thought was his place. Yeah. Like I said earlier, 
I didn't really come into this movie until I was like in high school. Um, and then ever since then, like this has become a yearly watch for me right around right around October. If I miss it in October, I'll definitely get it in December. But for the longest time, I have had the hardest time with. So what's the point here? Because it's it's one of those movies, even though it's a children's film, a lot of times children children's films are really on the nose, especially with the Disney logo on it. They're usually really on the nose about like, hey, this is what's going on here. This is what you know, this is the message here. This movie is much more, I think, subtle when it comes to the point of the film. I know for a lot of people. This comes down to, and I guess maybe we can blame Blink-182 for this. This comes down to, we can live like Jack and Sally, celebrate Halloween on Christmas. Like It's the love story between Jack and Sally that is the point of the story. I think that is a storyline that is running throughout, but I don't think that this is the main point, that this is like just a love story. You know what I mean? What is What is your take? What do you think? I have a theory. We'll get to it in a second, but I'm curious, what do you think is the point of this movie? So if you would have asked young me, you know, it's the same young me that you would have been asking about the Rocky movies. What are the Rocky movies about? They're about punching things hard. (laughs) But but then I, I realized that like, no, no, they're about a man with no self confidence achieving something that he never thought he'd ever be able to do. And they're nuanced and they're layered. So now that same, you know, these same movies, again, speaking to, you know, I was goth before My Chemical Romance made it made it cool when I went <laughs> back in back in the day. So, like, I, I, to me, this touched my gothic heart back in the day. But like I, you know, so so it was about the ambiance and the, and the skeletons and, and hmm. the animation and all of those kinds of things. But then it became about, and I found this fascinating thing that happened after I became a Christian and watching this. Um, suddenly understanding that, like, okay, so you're t- so you're saying it's a guy that hears about a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Thinks that he understands a thing, mm-hmm. wants to do the thing himself, tries to okay. do the thing, doesn't get it because he's missing the larger point. And suddenly oh, he's created this thing that looks way different than the source material. Interesting. Sound familiar? You know what bit. I mean? Like, yeah, that's so, interesting. So even, even with, even without the, the, the Christian overtones to it, it's still a story of a guy that fell in love with a thing and tried to recreate the thing without fully understanding what made the original thing so special in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. And that's along the lines of what I was thinking when it came to this film. But you're right. This is kind of like, oh, I don't know. What's that one thing called? Prosperity gospel of like, you know, we're going to take this thing and we're going to try and understand it, but then we're going to blow it up the wrong way. So, yeah, I've that's interesting. I've never thought about that. Our fearless leader, going back to Josh once more, uh, gave me a little bit of an answer as well as to what he thought the movie was about. So let me pull up the text here. And the message of the film is to be thankful for what you have and to be yourself or something. Shrugging face emoji, LOL. So. (laughs) 
I think it's interesting. I don't, I think the thankful part is a little bit on the whole, like pushing his agenda to make Thanksgiving the greatest holiday of them all. Uh, but I found this part and to be yourself. Yeah. So here's the thing. Here's my take going off of you two. Here's my take on the movie. This movie is kid friendly American beauty. This movie is about a guy. Ooh. Oh, did oh man, I think Joe just had a light bulb. This movie I've never heard that before. And I feel like now you need to do a 30-second Reader's Digest version of what American Beauty is for those of you that haven't seen it. But seriously, sure. if you haven't seen American Beauty, you need to watch American Beauty. But go ahead. It is one of those classic films. Basically, to bring the two together in my short synopsis, this is a story of a guy who's hit his midlife crisis. This is a guy who is doing his thing but has no more fulfillment in life from doing the thing. Life has kind of lost it. And what do you do? Well, I don't know what you do when you hit a midlife crisis. I'm only in my 20s. But I have hit ruts before in my working career. And you know what you do when you hit those ruts, when things start to feel really empty? You rebrand and reboot yourself. You go buy that sports car. You go, you know, you find a new career. You find something to fill that void once again. And for Jack, that's Christmas. And the the scene that made it finally click for me, he's, he's about ready to go out and he's got the Sandy Claus outfit on and Sally, she's already had the vision of like, this is not going to end well. And she's trying to like get him to change his mind. you got it. You can't do this. You can't do this. You're the pumpkin King. And he, ta- she hands him the picture of him, you know, posing like how he does. And he takes it and he says, not anymore, breaks it over his knees. I'm Sandy Claus. That's who I am now. That is my new identity. And this is the part that I can't believe this is a Disney movie. I mean, I guess it's a Disney movie by technicality because it's a touchstone film, which is owned by Disney. If this was a pure Disney film, Joe, would you agree that if this was a pure Disney film, it would have worked? Jack would have been able to pull it off because in Disney movies, you can be whoever you want to be. You can do whatever you want. So in a pure Disney film, this would have worked. But I think the message yeah. of this film is contrary to Disney. Don't be who you're not. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, that there's there's a lot of truth to that. You know what I mean? It, it, mm. That's because, you know, spoilers. Jack finally gets the gimmick. He finally figures out what it is like what the what the purpose of all of this is what makes all of this special all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and and he you know realizes who he is as a mm-hmm. person so you know when you sometimes and we know we know this to be true you don't get the hallmark the hallmark christmas movie ending sometimes that's that's not the gimmick you know what i mean sometimes it doesn't yeah. all work out for the best and so when when you have a movie like this that's daring to do that, I think it speaks to I think it speaks to the quality of, of you know, that that sometimes you just need to be OK with who you are. And it, mm-hmm. just because you try a thing doesn't mean that you're not going to fall on your face, you know. Right, right. That's true. 
I just think back to the scene where, you know, it all crash and burns, literally like the sleigh that he's flying, like crashes and burns. And he has the song. He does his big song. I'm Jack, the pumpkin king. Like he remembers who he is. And he's like, hey, I got a lot of great new ideas for Halloween Town because now I've done this Christmas thing. I'm just going to actually lean into the Halloween part. This is who I am. So I think it is on the one hand that whole, you know, be who you are. But I think the driving force is you can't be everything. You know, you might put your hand to something and it's not going to work. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, when I, when I first got into podcasting, Joe, I don't know if I've ever told you this. When I first got into podcasting and I was trying to brainstorm like what I wanted to do like for a series, you know what I ended up with? One of my ideas was this. Not like Josh's idea, but like I was thinking about doing a geek Christian podcast. But one of my ideas was to do like a limited series on all the times I've tried a project and failed. And just talk about like the story behind why it failed and the lessons that we can learn from failure. Because you hear that cliche of like, you know, you should learn from your failure failures. But I think the culture we live in doesn't actually want to embrace that. I think the the culture that we live in more so wants to focus on the influencer, successful, I can do anything type of thing. Yeah, from that, you know, absolutely. That's that's something that I think is 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 a very important life lesson that you know, not to sound like the old man yelling at the sky, but like I worry when there are now generations that have grown up with influencers that have grown up with these kinds of platforms that make it sound like anybody can jump in front of a, of a microphone and suddenly become famous. There are people who are famous just for being famous. It's literally all it is. It's reality TV and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I think that it's, it's very important to be able to be open about the fact that sometimes you are going to fail and sometimes you are going to try a thing and it's not going to work out. So from a, from a faith-based perspective, then what do we do with a story like this? What do you do with a story that's about a guy who is trying to be something that he, that he is not, gets confronted with that and then embraces who he is. Is there any Christian parallels, any biblical parallels that we can draw from that? Um, yeah, I mean, there are, there, there are several that come to mind that, you know, where you see that, that they, they did everything quote unquote right hmm. and they still ended up martyred or they still ended up going through a whole lot of things and all of that. And, and from a faith-based perspective, it's, um, it's, it's important for the church to tell these stories. You, hmm. you do you do this thing and you realize like yes eventually and that's what makes the the whole hope of hope of Jesus so 
vitally important that we have hope outside of, of present circumstances and things like that. But we are mm-hmm. never promised ease in this life. Mm-hmm. We are never promised smooth sailing. And that's part of the problem when you look at all of these false doctrines that are out there. That God just wants you healthier. God just wants you wealthier. God just sure. wants you this, that, or the other thing. No, 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 no. God wants you to do two things. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. There, that that's what those can be boiled down to. There's other nuancy things for different for different roles and things like that. Sure. But when you boil yeah. it down, that's what that's where you're at. That's what you're called to do. So all of the other stuff is is window trimmings and a lot of regrets. Okay. Interesting. So do you mean to tell me that if I write Philippians four thirteen on my eye paint, like right before I go to play a football game, I'm not gonna like score all the touchdowns? Not that right. not that we've completely ripped that out of context. I want to do a sermon series at some point highlighting all of these verses that we rip completely out of context to put on decorative wooden signs around our homes. But that's a conversation oh, yeah. for another day. You know, the the one that's like, be still and know that I am God. That is the biggest offense. We're starting right with that one. <laughs> for me, coming at this from... This idea of identity, you know, Jack lost his identity, tried to find a new identity and it didn't work. I think humans, but Christians specifically, we have a hard time with identity. You know, we have a hard time accepting who we are. And for Christians, letting the word of God dictate who we are now. The Bible teaches, I think, very clearly that when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. And I know that there are times when I I mean, there's plenty of times during the day where we still sin. But I think that there are plenty of people listening to this podcast right now that, yes, you are a sinner. But that is not the defining trait about you still. Right now, yeah, you I, are in Jesus, and that is the first in all of your identity. The first and foremost is that you are a new creation in Jesus. All right, so as usual, when we're on one of these things, Brandon teased me up to take you all to church, so here we go. Um, <laughs> so for real and for true, this is amazing grace. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like this, this is the deal. This is the gimmick, right? Like this is what no, no ritual can save you. No amount of money will prolong your life. No uh, gospel made by man. No preacher can, can Mm -hmm. help add, can help change things or anything like that. Like it comes down to a relationship with God and here's the gimmick, right? Here's the deal. If, if you, we walk this life and we walk it and, and we are naturally geared towards sin, we're naturally geared towards self. We are selfish creatures. I know that's very unpopular in today's, in today's society, but that's the <laughs> truth that right. we have this thing called sin nature. Trust me, look at society for 30 seconds and you'll know that I'm right. So mm-hmm. you have all of this, all of this stuff. And now you have this thing where you have your come to Jesus moment and, and it doesn't matter if you're a kid. It doesn't matter if you're an adult or somewhere in between. It doesn't matter how much life that you've lived. It's not about the law. Look at the Pharisees. They, they thought that mm-hmm. it was about, that it was about the law. Look at 
denominations throughout throughout the years. Even if you don't want to look at biblical stuff, look at denominations that are about the rules. Think about that. Think about how many people walk away from that deconstructing. You hear all of these mm. stories. I'm deconstructing. I'm deconstructing. Were you ever taught the gospel in the first place? I want to come alongside so many people that just I, I just I just want to be like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second, because I'm pretty sure what you think the mm. gospel is, is not actually the gospel. Mm-hmm. And and so so you have this thing where suddenly you get to you get to say, OK, I am I am wretched. I broke. I'm broken. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know what to do with all this. And, and God comes along and says, OK, let's talk. Let's have that conversation. Yeah. Let's have, and there's no such thing as a sinner's prayer. That's that's a man-made. That's a man-made concept. Again, yeah. I know, I know, I'm I'm offending a lot of people right now, and I'm okay with it. The the, the <laughs> sinner's prayer is not a biblical concept, and yeah. and so, but but entering into a relationship with God, 100 percent is. Yeah. And there's all going to we're all going to hit that day where we're going to have to come to call. We're all going to mm-hmm. have to call up and say, okay, this is it. But mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, that, but that's, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the but caveat Jesus. at the end, but Jesus. And, Jesus. and so when we, when, when we get to, we get this ability and I sometimes, uh, I, I, uh, I sometimes thank God for how much crap that I have been through in this life mm-hmm. to get, to get to the, to get to the sweet spot because and it doesn't mean that the crap doesn't stop. Trust me. You should have heard me before getting on this, getting on this episode. The crap didn't, <laughs> didn't stop because I became a Christian, but you, I had this ability. I saw the depths of, of depravity that this world mm-hmm. had to offer. And then I saw the counterbalance. I saw the thing that made it all make sense. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing that made it all. Okay. And that doesn't mean that it's all that makes the whole world sunshine and rainbows is because it just doesn't. That's just the gimmick. No. It doesn't. But in a world that doesn't offer any kind of stability in a situation that doesn't say that says you can be whatever you like. Mm-hmm. But but still won't give you that sense of satisfaction. Yeah. Look at the midlife crisis. Look at all of that. Yeah. Kind of I'm going to rebrand. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. How far did that get you? Because most people, that just makes the situation worse. Yeah. But you have this thing in this relationship with God that supersedes all of that, that gets to, yeah. that looks past all of that and is the hope that we as Christians get to walk around with. That's that something different. That's that special something mm-hmm. that makes us different, allows us to walk in a way that's completely and totally different than the world because the world doesn't know the true wellspring of hope and life and peace. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not that hard. I mean, it's difficult because life is difficult. But what does Jesus say? Pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus had this huge crowd. And in America, that's a great thing. Have a crowd. You know what I mean? That's that's what determines if you're successful. Have the crowd. But what did Jesus did? He brought in. He brought it in and he had 70 that he sent out. And then he brought it in. He had the disciples. He had his 12 disciples. And then he brought it in. He had Peter, James and John. He had his three guys that he poured into. And it was in not in the crowd, but the three people and the 12 disciples that the world gets turned upside down. That's what Acts says. The world gets turned upside down because they weren't great leaders, 
They didn't read the book on the 14 ways to make Jesus happy. They didn't read the book about how to spend your money to make Jesus happy. They followed Jesus. That is Christianity. That is it. You are following Jesus. I heard recently a quote from my class. All Christians look like shepherds from the back and sheep from the front. Because as sheep, we're following the good shepherd. And we are following other shepherds, good, biblically minded individuals who are following Jesus. Imitate me as I imitate Jesus. That's what Paul said. And that's what we do from the front. But from the back, we have a litany of people who are following us as we follow, as we follow, as we follow with Jesus, the good shepherd up at the front. And you want to you want to you want to know how you get through a midlife crisis? You get through it by not having your identity wrapped up in that job or in that career, in that money, in that relationship, whatever it is like It is first and foremost, I am following Jesus. Romans 6 talks about we are baptized into his death and we are raised to life. We are new creations. That is who we are. So I've had the opportunity to take a look at some of the analytics of the show, and we we skew a little on the younger side as far as the the average people (laughs) Uh, listening to this. And so I, I want to just, I want to just share two, two seconds with, I, I was a, a chef for over a decade. And some people would say I am still a chef. It's a title that you can't be taken away. But even just me saying that shows that ex- exactly what I'm getting at. I was in an industry where that was your identity. That was mm. what you were. And that mm. was heavily guarded and heavily cherished. Mm. And I haven't been a part of the restaurant business for five years now, something okay. like that. Maybe not quite five. And no, probably closer to three years. I've been out of the restaurant business. Okay. And I don't, I, I, I love food. I love cooking. I love all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, but, but no, no job title is going to make you, um, is is going to make you into any to, into anything more? It's all it all can be taken mm-hmm. away. Yeah. Everything can be taken away. We've we've shown that in speeds. So as you guys progress, as you go forward, understand as we watch something like this, this may look like, dude, you just we were just supposed to talk about um, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, but like this is the kind of thing. These are these are lessons for a reason. The hero's story yeah. is a lesson for a reason. Self doubt is a lesson for a reason. All of these things are lessons for a reason mm-hmm. because they are reality. This is something that happens in everyday life. Is it as is it like uh, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas every time? No, but it's still something that's applicable to everyday life. Yeah. And so. Putting your identity in what am I first and foremost? I am a child of God. Before yeah. anything else, I am a child of God. That's your true north. That's the center point. It doesn't matter who says what you can be or what you can't be, because some of you are not going to be the thing that you want to try and be. I'm sorry to yeah. say it, but that's just the gimmick. Yeah. Some some of you will fail at what you try to do. I would wager more of you than not are probably going to fail at what you're trying to do. That's just the deal. 
Each one of us, even within this show, has stories of, t- of things where things turned out in a way that we would have never wanted or guessed that it was going to. Mm-hmm. But Jesus. Yeah. Did you know I graduated from college back in 2015 with a bachelor's in biblical studies with my ambition of going to be a pa- to going to pastoral work? That hasn't happened. That hasn't happened. But you know what wasn't really a thing in 2015? This thing we're doing right now. You know, there was probably like Rogan and some of the bigger named ones had shows by that point. But the the ability to do what we're doing right now, that wasn't really as much of a thing. And I didn't know where the journey that God was going to take me on. You know, it has worked out. It looks differently, but I'm still thankful for it. And my identity, and this was a hard one for me to grapple with. Here I am, young guy right out of college, wanting to be a pastor, and I'm working in 15 degrees in a refri- in a freezer at a grocery store. Yeah, Man, it was the most, I say humiliating, but in a good way. You know, mm-hmm. it was, it smeared some mud on me. But it was a humbling experience that I needed to go through. And it's led me to right here, right now, recording this episode with you. Yeah, that's and sometimes you got to take the long way around in order to really appreciate where you get to. Yeah. All that to say, hey, we really like the Nightmare Before Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) I like this movie. Do you like this movie? I do. I do. It It is one of my favorites. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, watching it during Halloween, there's a lot less competition. So, I mean, during Christmas, I've got too many options. Um, But hey, you ready to start wrapping this thing up? Yeah. All right. So as we bring this episode to a close, Joe, you got any recommendations for our listeners, either related to Nightmare Before Christmas or Christmas or whatever? What's new? So I... um have been following a um an audio drama uh uh, power rangers audio drama it's a um siri it's a serialized thing fan made all of that dude it is out of bounds for anybody that is um that has ever said i want the power rangers but like adult themed dude it is fair fair warning there is language. It is. There are some adult themes there. Okay. It's when I say it's dark, there's mass genocide at one point. Like it is a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It gets, it gets for real, but it's, it is very good. So I would suggest cool. taking a listen to that. You said fan made too, like a fan flick yep. type of thing. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, for me, I have a recommendation for you, for you all listening for next Christmas. So my wife and I, we grew up Baptist, which means we reject the church calendar. Uh, and we aren't Baptists anymore. And we have started to embrace the church calendar more. And it is Advent season. And so for the first time, we have been doing an Advent devotional read together. It's called Hosanna in Excelsius by... It's a couple. I think their last name is Lehman. But the book is called Hosanna in Excelsius. And every day it focuses on a Christmas hymn. And we listen to this. We pull it up on Spotify or YouTube and we'll listen to it. And then it's a short devotional 
a little bit of a bio on the person who wrote it and the inspiration behind the story or behind the song and a little bit on the music that comes with the song. And it has been so good. I cannot recommend this book enough. If you have not read it before and you're planning on getting a new book for Advent next year, again, Hosanna in Excelsius. I love I love Christmas hymns, but I love learning about hymns. So being able to have like the two brought together has been great for me. Cool. Yeah. All right, Joe. So where can people find you if they want to be taken to church more and hear what you're all about? So I am the co-host of Buddy Walk with Jesus. Um, so you can find that uh, anywhere you find podcasts as well as uh, Facebook and the like um, and at BuddyWalkWithJesus.com and be on the lookout for a new project in the works called Kingdom on the Road um, that you'll be able to find on Facebook and anywhere you can find podcasts. Ooh, that's the first time I've heard the name. You haven't told me the name yet. I like that. Kingdom on the Road. All right. Uh, So again, I'm Brandon Knight. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at just.brandon.k. Or you can check out my podcast, My Seminary Life, where I talk about the things I'm learning about in grad school. And this is a great time to get caught up because class is over by the time this episode comes out. So this is a great time to get caught up on the episodes. You can find it on all the platforms. And we're on Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod. On behalf of myself and my wife and my soon-to-be baby, uh, we want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you all. I hope you entered the new year with the Lord, uh, with the Lord's favor on you. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but even if I, even if you guys do hear from me again, um, you know, Merry Christmas. Um, you know, I, I pray blessings over, over each one of you in this time and um, heading into the new year. And remember, everyone, we are all a chosen priesthood, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.